You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Stanton, Zach Taylor, and Jeremy Paxton. Welcome to the ninth episode of The Weekly Brew, your source for political, social, and sports commentary brewed up in 30 minutes or less. I am Austin Stadt, and I'm joined by Zach Taylor, Jeremy Paxson, and Kevin Cook. Guys, quite the roller coaster weekend if you're a sports fan. Absolute madness in the baseball postseason, chaos on the college football front, and Jeremy had quite possibly the most interesting interaction of the weekend. Tell us about it, J-Pax. Well, before heading out to Caves for a couple of brews, we, uh, we grabbed an Uber and uh, had a fairly attractive Uber driver. Got on the app and uh, left some feedback that I had left something in her car. She calls five minutes later and uh, told her I didn't really leave anything in her car. I just wanted her to come out and drink with us. So about 20 minutes later, she's packing, sitting at our table having a drink. She told us that she was uh, dating a former baseball player, uh, Josh Beckett, who won two World Series, uh, including an ALCS MVP, a World Series MVP. Uh, so she went from you know being a wag in Boston to being an Uber driver here in Houston. So uh, quite the, quite the uh, eventful 29 years on earth for this. It's an impressive resume. Yeah, I... I I know, right? Uh, she's um, she was quite interesting, quite entertaining to, to hang out with. I'm 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 not gonna say I regret uh, asking her to have come to come have a drink with us. I I don't know if I do it for every Uber driver though, so they, they tend to be kind of an interesting mix. Um, but no, it was a lot of fun. All right, so outside of Jeremy's Uber experience, how was the weekend, guys? Yeah, it was a really good weekend. Went and saw The Martian. Um, great movie. Definitely give it uh, give it two thumbs up. And uh, went to the Fort Worth Zoo on Saturday, so that was a ton of fun. Did you bring your gun? I did not bring my gun. I thought I'd go ahead and leave it at home. Right, last time I got in trouble for that. So That's good. All right. Well, uh, Kevin, what about I you? I thought you were a Republican, That's, and you didn't have your gun. <laughs> <laughs> my weekend was uh, slammed. You know, I cover sports, high school sports primarily, so I spent Saturday at two different district games, uh, got into articles, and... It was actually interesting. My coworker uh, said that I could, you know, take the night off and not write up the articles. And I was like, well, isn't the point to get them in immediately after the games? He's like, nah, man, working two games is too hard. You got to, you got to relax, man. You work too hard. So I discovered that the standards at my new job are uh, very low. Uh, so I should do fine there, I think. <laughs> That's Houston Community Newspapers. Everyone should read it. It's great. My work is great, but you know, uh, it's a, it's a relaxed newspaper. It's not, you know, it's not the big city newspaper for sure. You're saying it's not the New York Times. Yeah, I was trying to think of one that wasn't a direct competitor because the only one I could think of was the newspaper I'm not supposed to even reference. Uh, but you're right, it's not the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> that's, good, that's good to know. All right, folks, we've got a packed show on deck. It's time to sit back, grab a drink, listen, and be informed. Let's start with the big lead. The big lead. Let's be honest, guys. We were 2-0 last week in our wild card prediction. So if you're looking for betting advice, you've come to the right place. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch more on that later. With a two-games-to-one lead in the AL Divisional Series against the Royals, the Astros were just six outs away from punching a ticket to the ALCS. They held a 6-2 lead heading into the top of the eighth inning on Monday. Then madness ensued. The Royals scored seven unanswered runs, five in the eighth, and two runs shot in the ninth against the Astros' bullpen to even the series at two games apiece. Although the Astros' bullpen has struggled of late, they had not blown a lead larger than three runs all season. Guys, can the Astros bounce back as they head to Kansas City for Game 5 on Wednesday night? Well, if anyone could, the Astros could. I mean, they're a young team. They haven't, quote-unquote, been there. And so if there's any advantage to a lack of experience, it's the ability to just leave this sort of thing behind and start fresh. I mean, these are young guys, and I think that they could bounce back. Uh, And, you know, I like them to... uh, 
I mean, not give up that large of a, of a lead. That was insane watching. My, my heart is still hurting, honestly. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, especially when it comes to this young team, you know, not feeling the pressure. I mean, we've seen that throughout, the, uh, you know, the end of September. Uh, they started off the month slowly, but were able to be resilient and fight back and uh, clinch that playoff spot. But today you look at the two rookies, two 21-year-olds. You had Lance McCullers, who went six and a third, seven Ks, two hits, uh, one, one of which was a two-run homer. Uh, but, you know, I thought he pitched very well overall. And uh, Carlos Correa, I mean, that kid is a freak. I mean, he was four for four, two home runs, four RBIs. He had 11 total bases, which is the most by a shortstop in postseason history and the second most by any player in a loss in postseason history. I mean, I think the Astros are in good shape. Uh, I think they're a little ahead of schedule, but... You know, I wouldn't put it past this team. I mean, they've proven all season that they're going to do things the difficult way. And uh, I like Colin McHugh on the mound going against Johnny Cueto. I mean, if the Astros can jump on him early, uh, you know, McHugh's a guy who's won 20-plus games this year. Uh, So I think, you know, they're not necessarily in a bad position, uh, although today's results obviously weren't ideal. I'm not that confident in the Astros being able to bounce back from from that. I mean, today was just gut-wrenching. I mean, and I'm not even an Astros fan. I, I turned away from the uh, the computer at work today, you know, thinking that that game was settled and just really kind of focused more on the Rangers game and was shocked to see whenever the the, the, the Royals had retaken the lead in the eighth. Um, and to be honest, it just it just reminds me like the first two games that that come to uh, to mind of what this this reminds me of is the game six in the two, 2011 World Series when the Rangers uh, lost that gut wrenching um, game to the Cardinals and. And ultimately then went on to lose the World Series in Game 7. It reminds me of the Steve Bartman incident in Chicago back in 2003. Um, and then, of course, you know the Cubs went on to lose Game 7 of that series as well. I mean, these these sorts of things are just tough to bounce back from. And, and uh, I actually think that their youth is is not going to play well into this. I actually think it takes more of a veteran squad that's, that's more used to losing and, and used to uh, you know these sorts of instances to not just suck the momentum out of the locker room um, and the Astros, you know, really for the last month, have just kind of been, you know, on a little bit of a downward spiral with their bullpen kind of taking them out of uh, what was almost a locked up AL West division title um, and then barely squeaking in uh, with, with the wild card. So I'm just with the way the, the season ended for the Astros and, and what this has done to teams in the past in games where they could clinch and being just outs away from clinching the next, the next round of the playoffs. Uh, I just, I hope they can. I just I don't think they will. I don't know if I agree with that assessment. I, I, I think that they, they might, they certainly might be able to pull it out um, here going back to Kansas City. Um, I will say just as a point of reference here, I do blame Greg Abbott for the <laughs> loss today. I don't know if you guys saw, but he sent out a premature tweet congratulating the Astros on advancing to the ALCS. Uh, of course, he quickly deleted the tweet and, you know, kind of just tweeted out something pretty benign. Uh, no protections, just support, or no no predictions, just support. So, anyways, shame on you, Greg Abbott. I found it funny that in the hour after that he sent that tweet, the Astros and Rangers were outscored fourteen to nothing, and their games are going on simultaneously. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are not fans of Governor Abbott, but uh, I think this just. Uh, I think he's thankful that this is not an election year. Uh, it'd be very hard-pressed to win votes in Arlington, Dallas, Fort Worth, and uh, the city of Houston. Switching gears, the Rangers, after taking the first two games in Toronto, including a Game 2 thriller that went into extra innings, the Blue Jays have bounced back to even the series and send it back to Canada. 
Cole Hamels is set to take the hill on Wednesday against Marcus Stroman. Zach is the lone, lone podcaster from the Metroplex. What do you make of this? You know, it's it's just completely mind-boggling. Um, I can't believe that the Rangers left Toronto up 2-0, uh, particularly after going 14 innings. Um, and then I'm honestly not entirely surprised uh, with the way things unfolded here in Arlington. I'm a little disappointed. I didn't have much confidence in uh, Martin Perez or Derek Collins starting today. Uh, actually, I, I'm surprised that Derek Collins started today. I thought that was completely wrong move by Bannister to put him in. I mean, his last four starts, uh, he had a no decision and was 1-2 and two with a 741 ERA. Um, has just been struggling, particularly with giving up home runs. And Toronto is a team that just lives off the long ball. I don't know why you put him in, particularly in a hitter's park. Um, Gallardo is the only other pitcher uh, to have consistently pitched well against Toronto for our team this year, um, and particularly with what he did in the in the first game. I would figure, I honestly kind of assumed that they put him in on short rest and at least try and get him through the lineup twice. Maybe he can go four or five innings and then bring in Colby Lewis or whatever. But I just think it was a complete mistake not trying to bring in the one pitcher um, who's actually had proven success against this team today because you had to treat this as a game five. You're going back up north um, to Toronto for game five, and you just don't want to be in that sort of a situation. So even this, this even though this wasn't a game five for the Rangers, Bannister need to be treated, needed to be treating it as such. Speaking of game five, I mean, David Price was warming up at the pen and uh, you know came into the game. Uh, what do you see, you know, I mean, he's along with, alongside Dallas Keuchel, he's one of the AL Cy Young front runners. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that with a commanding lead? Uh, you know, the, the Blue Jays putting him into the game. You know, I don't know if I don't agree with them putting him into the game, but I get why they're not having him start game five. Um, I think on paper, he looks like their ace and the guy that you want um, starting that. But I think when you take a step back and look at the fact that he's yet to win a postseason game as a starter, and not only that, that the Rangers have actually had some pretty decent success against uh, David Price in the playoffs. Um, it makes sense to me that you wouldn't want him starting um, game five, you go with, uh, I forget the name of the guy that they got going on, but I mean, he's Marcus been Stroman. absolutely dominant. Yeah. Stroman. Yeah. Um, he's been absolutely dominant since the all-star break. So I get that. I, I just, I don't understand putting in price in this game though, in that sort of a situation. Well, you know, I don't talk Rangers. Uh, I despise the Rangers. Also despising Dallas teams. I, I will say, I do think it is a little interesting that here the Rangers can go and perform so well in Canada of all places. And yet they come home to this massive home crowd and just drop these two games like that. I mean, one positive thing going for the Rangers is that huge acquisition that they made at the trade deadline, securing Cole Hamels. He's your guy. Game five. He's going to get the ball. That's exactly who you want on the mound in that kind of situation. You know, the Rangers this year, this is completely unexpected. Um, you know, being under 500 and eight games out to start August. Um, where we are right now is just, uh, you know, just everything's, ch- uh, you know, cherries on top of the icing. Uh, and the Cole Hamels trade, like, it's great having him in here. But the trade that we did, that was more so for the future. And so the fact that, you know, we're able to be doing this with him right now just makes me all the more excited for, like, the next couple of years when that trade that we made, all the moves that we did, was actually more so for the future than it was the present. I'm kind of concerned, Zach, uh, for one major reason. I'm not sure if anyone else caught it, but I think you said we about six times. Um, Are you part of the Rangers organization now? Uh, Yeah, actually, um, I am. I'll uh, I'll send you my new email address. Okay, good to know. (laughs) Sorry, that's one of my pet peeves. (laughs) Evidently, you jumped right on him. Fair enough. I mean, I, I was going to knock Zach for the social media thing again, but I'm going to yeah. lay off. I don't, don't want to push him too much. You don't want to kick him while he's down. Yeah, no, seriously. Thanks th- thanks a lot, Austin. Hey, no problem. It's been a rough day for Austin. <laughs> well, <laughs> did you guys see that slide from Chase Utley on Saturday night? I did. Uh, I don't know if it was worth the punishment he got, but yeah, that that's pretty hilarious, actually. It's hilarious that he broke a guy's fibula? 
Oh, sorry. No, I'm I'm, I'm not thinking. I did not know he did that. Okay, I just saw the slide. I didn't know he broke some guy's tibia. Wow. Okay. We don't even need to say anything. Just let that, that speak was No, dude. God damn it. Uh, I saw the slide. I, I like it was on the TV. Was on mute, and so I then I saw afterwards. It's like, oh, he's suspended. And so, anyways, all right. Hot takes <laughs> from Jeremy Paxson. Broken bones. Yeah. Hilarious. Nothing. Nothing brings me. Nothing brings smiles to it's my. It's the drama of October. And suffering of others. That's why I'm. That that's why I'm in psychotherapy. You know? <laughs> The Rundown. So I'm not going to lie, I've dabbled a little bit in sports betting and fantasy football. Uh, what about you guys? I had to I had to give up on uh, sports betting. I still play poker because uh, it's really not the same as gambling uh, in a lot of other respects, but uh, I had a bit of a, a bit of a problem. I gave up sports betting. I think it's probably been about nine years now. So um, I, have, I have way too much experience and I've, I've lost a lot. Austin, are you a millionaire? Not yet. <laughs> Well, that's because you're not playing on DraftKings. DraftKings.com. Become a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, man. Needless to say, uh, Jeremy, I think DraftKings or FanDuel might be you know, something for you, uh, especially after looking at your fantasy football team this week where you had uh, five, yeah. five, five slots okay. open. I caught it. I caught it in time, but not in time enough to put the quarterback in. Um I did, you know, to be fair, though, to me, I mean, our, our our team had some pretty crazy strength out of nowhere, despite the uh, despite the foobar there with uh, um, our quarterback not being in. Of course, now Jordan is winning by a couple points, but up until this game tonight, I was beating him by what seven and a half points, something like that. So um, it was not my turn to order the lineup. That's all I'll say. Since we're now sponsored by DraftKings, obviously the you know the next connection is DraftKings and FanDuel and the employees and proper use of insider information. Huge scandal last week, especially with all of the advertising uh, campaigns that you see when you're watching NFL games, ESPN, Fox Sports One. If you know all five of you that watch Fox Sports One, uh, what do you guys think about this scandal and how it relates to fantasy football? Is it actually gambling, or does the government need to step in and regulate this, or is it just fantasy football and nothing more? Well, DraftKings records, computer records, uh, released by whoever the CEO is. I need to pull up his name here. Um, but they indicate that the information that was released early by Ethan Haskell was not uh, was actually released later than the picks he made on FanDuel. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's the possibility of some sort of insider trading, but the stuff isn't regulated, so it's not against the law. This makes perfect sense to me that this would have happened. So it happened, and now there's going to be some oversight. I don't think there's anything scandalous about it. I think it's a bit... Uh, reactionary to call this a scandal, you know, and it's on all the tickers across all the bottom of the news stations. But is that really fair to say? I agree with you, Kevin. I, I don't find anything about this to be scandalous. And, and from what I read, as you pointed out, you know, the timing of the logs and everything being released, it just seems like this is, you know, nothing more than an terribly, yet a terrible inconvenience um, for everybody involved. And I actually, uh, you know, I'm glad to see the uh, CEO, uh, Jason Robbins, sticking up for the employee involved and, and not firing him and using him as a scapegoat that would be really easy to just kind of, you know, put all this aside. Like if they have done their internal research and, and really come to the conclusion that nothing was done wrong, um, you know, it, it's actually costing them more to not just fire him and use him as the scapegoat and keep him on and insist that there was no wrongdoing. Uh, I think, you know, there is there is some merit to the fact that, you know, the, the industry and the companies are just growing too fast and they're not able to manage their growth well. Um, and the fact that they didn't have the idea between the two of them to, you know, they, they 
they had in place that the employees weren't allowed to um, use their own website, but not the competitors. And I think it's probably a good idea that they have that rule now that they're not allowed to use either. But, you know, maybe that was something that should have been put in place before, but I don't know if this is anything scandalous. How good of a week is Ethan Haskell having? He's the guy that released the information wrongfully and uh, wasn't fired, won $350,000, kept his job, was defended publicly by his CEO. I mean, this guy's on top of the world, I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I'd have to chime in here. Um, apparently, the, the quote-unquote scandal, which I don't really think it's a scandal. You, you might be able to argue that ethically this is kind of wrong um, if, in fact, there was some, quote, insider trading or use of proprietary information by the employees of these companies. If that was going on, that that was wrong. But um, FanTool and DraftKings both had their most profitable week of the season, according to uh, Super Lobby. Um, so it, apparently enough players haven't been scared away by it to, um, you know, to not use the service. So um, I think I think they're actually doing OK, despite all the all the news about it. So I, I think the media sort of spin this into a scandal, but I, I kind of agree with you guys. It's um, it, it's a little bit they're making it a bigger deal than it is. So I guess the obvious next jump is FanDuel. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you guys saw any of the statements from their director of communications. Uh, this this name might sound a little bit familiar. Justine Sacco is the director of communications for FanDuel. Does that name ring a bell? She doesn't have AIDS because she went to Africa, but is white, right? That's absolutely correct. Oh wow, that one. I think I think I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that Justine Sacco sent the infamous tweet saying, "Going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white." She turned her phone off, put it on airplane mode, and when she landed in South Africa, she no longer had a job. Uh, it was just the uh, essentially humiliated uh, public relations woman. Uh, now she's working for the $2.6 billion fantasy sports business of FanDuel. So how humiliated is she really? It feels like she leveraged that into a better job. There isn't a week that goes by that there isn't some celebrity or political figure that has to apologize for something they said on Twitter. I feel like before Twitter, just all the dumb shit stayed in your head. It didn't come out onto the internet. But I'm sorry, I'm just, just spitballing here. And you guys wonder why I'm not on social media. Yeah, the key is just to not say anything I've never <laughs> or just to think and tweet or just don't be on it. Zach, that's a terrible thing. That's just like saying, you know, I don't drive a car because I'm afraid I could have a wreck or I'm not going to go on an airplane because there was a crash five years ago. I mean, come on, Zach. Also, you're not doing a very good job promoting the podcast. If you're not on social media. Shame on you. <laughs> Getting back to FanDuel and DraftKings, do you guys see this as something that is going to be, uh, you know, maybe legislated through Congress, uh, you know, to kind of fall in the same lines as sports betting? Well, I sure hope not. I mean, I don't think that sports betting ought to be legislated to the degree that it is. And I, I certainly am in favor of uh, less restrictive laws surrounding gambling and, and, you know, personal freedoms. I'm into it. So I would be disheartened to see us move in the opposite direction here. Wait, hold on. You're a Democrat, right? <laughs> That's correct. Okay. Just making sure. But I'm not an idiot. <clears throat> He's not he's not an authoritarian. That's probably the better way to put it. So Exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know, this uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in two thousand eleven there was a big crackdown in um, on online gambling uh, circles. It's quote known as like uh, the gambling Black Friday or something like that. Left a lot of people unable to access money in their accounts. I you know, I, I would I'd have to agree that I, I'm not in favor of a whole lot of regulation. I, I do think it would be a, a, a good idea for these companies to uh, do their due diligence to make sure that um, the the betting is fair, especially for the younger players. The the big guys, the big money, 
they don't really care about this stuff. But I think for a lot of the younger, or not the younger guys, but the guys who are kind of the small, the small timers that are already feeling a little outmatched, um, uh, a gesture would go a long way to kind of reassure them that um, it is fair and that there's uh, there's not it's not that easy to cheat. I think it's a lot of fun. It adds an extra incentive uh, to sports in general. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than watching a Jacksonville Jaguars and Tampa Bay Buccaneers game when you have money on the line. I mean, other other than that, or fantasy football or fantasy sports, you're, you're just not going to watch those sorts of games. So I think that's one of the reasons why the NFL right now is a $9 billion business. I think the NFL and Congress just needs to embrace that. Around the horn. All right, guys, I want to do a college football recap. Um, A lot of stuff went on this weekend. Uh, We've got some movement in the polls with uh, Michigan State uh, over the last couple of weeks, falling from number two to number four to number seven without having uh, lost a game. Um, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh are are certainly uh, looking pretty good. TCU has fallen also uh, without losing a game, looking kind of unimpressive. Same with Ohio State. Utah looks to be uh, look looks to be legit, um, and just wondering what what everybody's thoughts are on on the weekend projections going forward and thoughts on the polls. Saturday night was absolutely amazing. I mean, I I was wearing out my remote control going back and forth between about you know four or five games. Uh, I thought the TCU Kansas State game was absolutely thrilling. I love Bill Snyder, but I definitely think he made a an egregious coaching error toward the end of the game, uh, not going forward on fourth and short and uh, opting to kick the field goal, but credit to TCU for being resilient Trayvon Boykin for pulling out the the W and then of course uh, the other games that you mentioned all great finishes um, I think my most impressive teams this week were probably uh, Baylor just absolutely routing uh, an under underachieving uh, I guess just an, just routing an overmatched Kansas team uh, Utah obviously getting that big win against Cal uh, but you know almost credit Cal for staying in the game despite what six seven turnovers uh, but I definitely think uh, college football we're, we're starting to get into that October November stretch where uh, you know the teams are starting to separate themselves one of the teams that I was uh, you know that I thought was doing quite well this year was Florida uh, but their star quarterback uh, was actually suspended today for the season for performance enhancing drugs so huge blow for the Gators as they uh, get into the bulk of SEC play we were we were watching that Kansas State TCU game and I have to give a lot of credit to TCU you know um, they've been getting a lot of flack here for their performance in both the Kansas State and the Tech game but they sort of always managed to pull it out they have a lot of depth and um, talent on that team uh, we have something you have to keep in mind about them is they are they're down something like five defensive starters so um, the fact that they're able to stay in these games, I think, is a real testament to Jerome Boykin's uh, ability and his talent and the ability of Gary Patterson to keep that team going in spite of being down by sometimes, what, two scores, three scores um, for the Kansas State game. So uh, I have to give credit where credit's due. Of course, um, uh, Baylor being there at number two is really exciting. Uh, I do think our biggest tests are ahead of us. You know, the the, the schedule's totally backloaded, so um, you know if uh, Baylor can walk into a place like Stillwater and come out with a win, I, I think uh, and think in my mind that that we'll be legit and uh, ready for the playoff. But um, of course, we got a lot of lot of football to play between now and then. Um, Utah is actually really surprising; they got more first place votes than Baylor did in the AP poll. Um, they are uh, very impressive, and I, I don't think they've looked that way for for years now. So um, credit to them. Uh, someone else who's kind of surprising up in the rankings, um, yeah, Michigan. I mean, we all remember how terrible they were, and now Harbaugh has just completely turned things around, and this is his first season. 
So, um, you know, I, I look for them to keep rising the polls as well. Speaking of teams rising the polls, two coaches found their way home this past weekend uh, as they were let go by their respective athletic departments. Kevin, fill us in on those. Uh, yeah, well, Sarkeesian obviously fired for his alcohol problem. I don't know if you guys remember back to when he showed up at a booster event um, slurring and, and swearing and uh, said that it was because of a combination of pain meds and alcohol, which is not a great combination. But the guy clearly had a problem. Apparently, students were texting uh, ESPN sources saying that coach has showed up lit at practice again, which I don't know wow. if I've ever heard anything so damning in a text in my life. <laughs> so I, I, my heart goes out to Sarkeesian. Uh, guy's got a problem, clearly. I think he's going to get it solved, and that's an important step. So he was let go. Much more amusingly to me, uh, and this is my Houston Cougars are 5-0, and but more important to me is this story. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw UNT get beat by Portland State 66-7. Uh, Anybody watch that game? Absolutely not. I heard about it. Yeah, no, no one should have. It was a terrible, terrible game. So this is uh, the first time, well, not the first time in history, but the biggest FCS win over an FBS team in history. So Portland State obviously plays in the football championship subdivision, uh, and uh, UNT, for whatever reason, still plays in the FBS. Uh, so it was a 59-point disparity, largest in history. They fired their coach immediately. We're talking like less than 45 minutes after the game ends. Dan McCarney is out as coach of UNT. Well-deserved, too. And here's the twist with this one. North Texas paid Portland State $425,000 for the game. So they paid Portland State to have them come into their own house and absolutely wreck them, which is, I mean, adding insult to injury, obviously. It's probably the worst thing about the whole thing. So it's just, I, I'm I think the funny it. thing is, is that it was homecoming weekend. I mean, when you have all your alumni, I back yeah <laughs> you're supposed to you know homecoming it's supposed to be an easy win i mean baylor plays iowa state i mean uh tcu scheduled texas i mean those are easy wins on the schedule uh unt just couldn't get it done against portland state i mean that, that's pitiful speaking of texas uh does anyone want to comment about the texas win over ou have you ever seen texas so happy to go two and four into a season i mean i understand it's ou that's like their super bowl but um pretty hilarious when you consider just a few years ago like a loss in any part of the season was just devastating for them well i will say this looking at the metrics this week i did notice that we had a few views from the austin area uh this week and so i imagine charlie strong was probably one of those listeners and uh you know he just took our comments to heart and uh it helped him you know cover the spread and just upset bob stoops in oklahoma so uh coach strong i appreciate you listening and uh you know Glad we could provide you some motivation. Sure, he appreciates it. <laughs> yeah, those are terrific metrics if you actually know that that's strong. That's that's impressive. I need to see those. <laughs> I, I, I tracked the IP address, so it was a little creepy, but, you know, I, I, I did that the job. That is creepy. Look out, Strong. <laughs> We're coming for you. Closing time. This was a fun episode. Uh, I think we, you know, probably recorded for 55 minutes or so and uh, hopefully we'll use about 30 of this but a lot of fun going back and forth with you guys tonight uh did you guys have fun yeah a ton of fun definitely i had a lot of fun but i feel like a lot of that fun is going to get cut in the editing process so you'll just have to take my word for it i had a great deal of fun <laughs> overall guys i had a lot of fun tonight i mean we talked about the major league baseball playoffs we talked about DraftKings and fan duels and as kevin mentioned we are sponsored by DraftKings now we talked about justine sacco college football Good episode, and uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, again, uh, make sure that you follow us on iTunes. You can search for us at The Weekly Brew. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash weeklybrewcast or twitter.com slash weeklybrewcast. Also, feel free to submit any questions or comments that you have, and we will get to them in our next episode. For my co-host, Zach Taylor, Jeremy Paxson, and Kevin Cook, I'm Austin Staden. We'll see you next time.
You've been listening to The Weekly Brew. 